Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is the Christ, and I want to thank you for coming and joining us this evening uh, as we enter into our second night of Bible study, Essential Faith in a Virtual World. I'm excited to have my good friend and brother with us on this evening, the pastor of the Priestly Chapel Missionary Baptist Church of Canton, Mississippi, Reverend Robert McCallum. Reverend McCallum is a 1975 graduate of the Jackson State uh, University. This is our second JSU graduate, by the way. We got we to gotta work on getting some other graduates, HBCU graduates in here. Uh, he, got a, he graduated in 75 with a BS in historical research. Then in 1982, he attended the uh, Reformed Theological Seminary here in Jackson, Mississippi, receiving uh, his Master of Divinity from that institution. Uh, he is a former educator, having uh, been a former uh, classroom teacher in both Jackson Public School District and the Madison County Public School District for 18 years, having, te having taught social studies and history uh, in those two school systems. Uh, and he has served as the pastor of both the Mount Eva Baptist Church of Cherry, Mississippi, and the Priestly Chapel Baptist Church now for 38 and a half years at Priestly Chapel. Uh, and he is a fine pastor, a wonderful friend. And I thank God for him being here on this evening. Pastor McCallum, good to have you with us, my brother. It's good to be here, Pastor Buckley. Amen. Thank you for so, listening. So listen, we, we, are, we are talking about um, uh, tonight a, a, a fancy word, and I, I mentioned it to the congregation on this past weekend, eschatology. It just sounds good. Uh, but but break it down for us. What what are we what are we talking about tonight? Eschatology. Eschatology. It's a fancy uh, theological word, but it is very 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 simple. Uh, it is simply a word that describes future things. What's going to happen in the future? Uh, yeah. Where do we go from here? As a church, as a people, when we leave here, what happens? And the story of eschatology helps us to understand that. Yeah. So, so here's one thing that I think oftentimes uh, we avoid this conversation. Uh, we we kind of don't delve very deeply into it, if at all. And maybe that's because, um, I don't know, maybe a few reasons. Number one, because it sort of puts the mortality of man at the forefront, right, that we aren't going to be here always. But then secondly, that it's just a, um, it's a conversation, I guess, that, you know, you, 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 you remember that Jesus said that no man knows the day nor the hour that, that he shall return. And so you sort of get this, this sort of, um, well, since no one knows, then why do we need to study it? Why do we need to study it? Well, you're absolutely uh, correct, uh, Pastor Buckley, that um, uh, a lot of times we don't deal with the whole idea of eschatology. Uh, simply uh, because of the mere fact that uh, they are future events and, and we don't see it being relative, real, and right now. But it certainly is. It helps us to better prepare ourselves uh, for going home. And, and it helps us to conduct ourselves in the proper manner so that when we go home, we can hear those words uh, that Jesus is going to speak to us, well done, well done. And it gives us hope and it helps us to know that this is not all. And that's very, very important to, to know that this is not the end. The problem with a lot of people is that they think that when we, uh, when we die, that it's all over. But what we find out 
in fact, um, there is life after death. Mm. And when you know that there is life after death, it's going to kind of shape and direct how you do life while you're living. Yeah. Well, brother, it's in your hands. You take it any direction you want to at this point. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you with us, so uh, let, let's delve into it. It's, it's all yours. Thank you, Pastor Buckley. And I want to thank again, Kate, for allowing me to come and be among you one more time. Yeah. I always enjoy coming to Cade, and I thank God for each of you. And I'm excited, uh, Pastor Buckley, for the opportunity just to share with you on this very, very important subject matter. And I just believe that God is going to bless us real good. And so I just invite uh, all of Cade to join in tonight, and, and let's just be blessed. And, and uh, let's just um, uh, uh, think about this whole issue of eschatology. As I've already said, I said earlier when you asked the question, what is eschatology? I think that's where we ought to start. What is eschatology? It's a theological term. Uh, it's a theological term for the most part that describes um, uh, future things. When you're talking about eschatology, you're basically beginning to talk about what's going to happen in the future. And um, for the most part, uh, for the most part, uh, what's going to happen in the future? Is this the end? Is this uh, it? When we die, uh, what happens? And so I think that uh, eschatology helps us to recognize something very important. Number one, that this is not the end. And so since we know it's not the end, we need to be preparing ourselves for what to come next. And so eschatology uh, lays out in a systematic formation what's to come next. All right? And so that's what we're going to be doing tonight, and we just pray that it'll be practical. And we pray, oh God, that, that for the most part that you would really gain some insights, uh, that you would gain information. But I don't just want to give you is, uh, information. I pray that this time of Bible study might not only be informative, but my prayer tonight is that it would be inspirational, most definitely, because when I mean by inspirational, listen, this teaching is something to shout about, especially for those of us who are saved, those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives as our personal Savior, this is an exciting teaching. Unfortunately, for those of us who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ into our lives as our personal Savior, then I think this teaching basically would encourage you and urge you to go ahead and get that business fixed with the Lord. Go ahead and do those things that are, are, are necessary so that you can end up where you ought to end up, and that is with God uh, everlasting. Let's get started tonight as we get ready to get into our teaching. There's a powerful passage that I want to use just as a springboard into the things that we're going to be talking about. First of all, I want to look at Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, my Bible reads this, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The Bible basically seemingly is teaching us that that there is going to be an end 
to this world as we know it. That there is going to be an end to this world as we know it, but it is not the end of our existence. That you need God is coming back again, and this world as we know it to be right now will come to an end, and in that, and as a result of that, the Bible is encouraging us as preachers that since we know that, we ought to be busy preaching the gospel. We ought to preach the gospel with, uh, with, with urgency because we do know something that an end is coming. We may not know all of the eons of that end, but we are convinced from the word of God that this world as it is is coming to an end. And so, or what does that do for us as preachers? It causes us to every time we stand up to preach like we are. We believe it's coming this evening. Because indeed we do learn later on in the scriptures that we don't know the day of the hour that some man is coming back, uh, but we do know that he is coming back. And so uh, that's a very powerful scripture to help us get started. I think I need to tell you something. When you talk about future things, that there are, for the most part, uh, three basic theological positions as regards to end times, as in regards to the future, or however you want to term it. There's three basically um, thoughts out there. The first one is something called post-millennialism. Then there's a second one referred to as ah millennialism. And then there's a third one. And that third one is pre-millennialism. Everybody, for the most part, has some kind of idea as to what's going to happen in the future and how it's going to happen. And, and, and everybody else, I might tell you right now, don't agree as to how these particular events are going to take place. As I was just simply saying at that particular point in time, yes, there are three schools of thought out there. Post-millennialism, amillennialism, and then there are, there's a pre-millennialist uh, view as to how are things going to work out? Uh, in, in what systematic order are things going to come to pass? Well, first of all, when we think of the post-millennialists, when we think of the fact, he, he believes that for the most part, that Jesus is coming back. Uh, but he believes that Jesus is coming back after the millennial period. The millennial period, for the most part, is that 1,000-year period that the Bible talks about. And so the post-millennial uh, list, and that person that has that kind of thought, believes that he's coming back. But he's not going to come back until after the millennial period. Well, we call these people post-millennialists. Then, of course, there's a second group that basically, for the most part, that, uh, that I talked about, our millennialism. This view is that, uh, there is absolutely, there is really uh, no 1,000 year period. They believe, for the most part, there's not really a millennial reign of Christ on earth. So we refer to them as ah, millennialists. They just don't want to accept the fact that there's going to be a literal millennial period on earth, a literal 1,000 year reign where Christ is coming back again and reign on earth for a literal period of 1,000 years. Well, the odd millennials would argue with me and say there's no such thing. And uh, 
And uh, so they, we refer to them as uh, millennials. And then, of course, uh, there is that third school of thought. We refer to them as pre-millennialism. That's where I'm going to really spend most of my time, Dr. Buckley and, and Kay. That's where I'm going to really spend most of my time because it is no secret uh, I probably I fall into this, this category. For the most part, uh, um, I believe in, in, in the pre-millennial uh, thoughts about how things are going to happen in the future times. And the pre-millennialist, for the most part, believes uh, that Jesus Christ is coming back and, uh, and, and for the most part, this view sees Christ as returning at some point before, that's where we get the term plea from, before the 1,000 year millennial. And, and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth. That's what I, that's what I really believe. That, that's my thinking as well. You know, uh, we've got people that have uh, various thoughts in this area. Uh, but when uh, I think about that thing in my study, she's defining in the area of premillennialism. And so uh, we're going to spend most of our time here tonight. Premillennialists tend to believe that the next event or the next important event to happen is something that we refer to as the rapture. I think I need to tell you that where are we today? Today, I believe we're in a period of time called um, the church age. And that's where we are right now. We're in the church age. And um, after the church age, I believe that the Bible teaches that the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture. In fact, uh, Brother Buckley and, and Kate, uh, something funny, I was laying on my bed thinking, uh, I said to myself, and, uh, and I kind of got humorous with myself, because during the rapture period, during that particular time, what's going to happen is that the, the, the church is going to be taken out. The church is going to be taken out of uh, the world. Definitely got, got uh, and, and it's going to happen. That, that's what's going to happen, that the church is going to be taken out of the world. Uh, in fact, in the book of, of Thessalonians, the Bible says that Lord God is coming back to the sky. And he says that, that those uh, that, are, that are Christ, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, just let me read it, tells us that when the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those believers that are alive will be caught up together to be with the Lord in the past. Did you hear what I just said? That the Bible says that there is going to be a trump that's going to sound. When the trump of God, I think I need to mention this, Brother Buckley, that in the Old Testament, one blast of a trump usually signaled one of two things. Either it signaled war or worship. And so Paul tells us in First Thessalonians that when this particular time comes, that the trump of God sounds. And then he tells us something else. He says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then those believers that are alive shall be caught up together with the Lord in the class. 
I think I need to tell you something. As we look at First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, nine through ten, uh, that it, that whole idea of rapture is mentioned again. But I need to tell you that the word rapture itself is not literally in the word of God. The word rapture, for the most part, is a Latin word, rapture, and it literally means called up. And so that's where we get our word rapture from. That word called up. Rapture, the Latin word. And so that's where we actually get that word rapture from. That the Bible says that we shall be called up. Or, should I say, rapture. Yes, indeed. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the next very thing that's going to happen is behind the church age that there's going to be a tremendous rapture of the people of God where God comes back and receives the church until himself. That indeed, that we're going to be taken up, we're going to be caught up with God in the sky to be with him forevermore. It's very interesting when you talk about rapture, you talk about being caught up. Um, very interesting that a lot of, um, uh, of, of people are beginning to relate uh, the coronavirus with the whole idea of the end times. And people are discussing this, a lot of discussion is going on as it relates to this and whether or not uh, uh, this is a coronavirus or the sign of the end times. Uh, because most definitely the Bible has shown in terms of God has used um, uh, disease and plague uh, as judgment uh, against his people. And, um, and there are those who are really going into some deep discussion right now as to whether or not is, is, is this coronavirus uh, a, a part of God's judgment or, or is this coronavirus a part of the human times? Well, well I, 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 I don't know. Whether or not God is using it as judgment, but I do know one thing, it is certainly something that ought to catch our attention. And I believe that most definitely it is important that we begin to clear out the thing. And I, and I believe that God is saying something, and I believe that we need to listen and try to get some direction as to what God is saying, because this thing is serious. And, 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 uh, and so, as to whether or not it's a sign of Jesus Christ on his way back or not, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But it is something that we need to take serious and that we need to really take inventory of ourselves and make sure that we are right with God. It is a good opportunity to cause us to begin to see where are we with God. And if the rapture were to come back as a result of all of this, would we be right with God? My friend, or me, most definitely, it is a time to really take inventory of your spiritual life. Because most definitely, we've got a lot of people who are not taking their life serious. And as a result, uh, God will do some things to cause us to think through some things. And this just may be one of the, the, the things that he's doing to cause us to think through some things. And for me, personally, I'm doing just that. And so, the next particular a uh, great event that will take place in future things is something that the Bible refers to as being caught up or the rapture. Amen. And the rapture, for the most part, is God coming to take the church out of this world. Yes, indeed. Uh, great things going to happen. You know what? You know what? A lot of people uh, can't believe that a rapture is going to literally happen 
because they believe that if something that phenomenal were to happen, they believe that that surely I would know if something that phenomenal was happening around me. Well, I don't know, because I got a sneaking suspicion that whenever it happens, that those that uh, be in power are going to be able to so explain it that those who are still living is going to accept the fact that this is a happening that's happening as a result of. I don't know what they might use. They might use, hey, what is happening? They may say something like this. What is happening? There's, there's a great disease going on right now, a worldwide pandemic going on, and it's killing folks, and that's what happened. That's what's happening. And you ought to be glad that you're still alive. I don't know what's going to happen, but most definitely, uh, during that particular time, uh, there are those who believe that, that uh, they should know. But my friends, my friends, the best thing to do in situations such as that is not to try to wonder whether or not you're going to know or not, but to be ready. That's the thing that I'm encouraging Christians to do, just be ready. So you got the rapture. Let's move on now. The second thing that's going to happen after the rapture is something that the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Immediately following the rapture, all believers will stand before something that is referred to as the judgment seat of Christ. That's immediately following the rapture. Listen, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible teaches this. That the judgment seat of Christ is a place of reward or loss of reward. The way we uh, live our lives, and, and we're going to look at those of us who are saints, uh, we're going to be judged. But we're not going to be judged for whether or not we are we're saved or not. We're not going to be judged for whether or not we're sinners or not. That's not what this judgment seat of Christ is all about. We all shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ, those of us who are saved. Unsaved folk won't appear at this judgment seat. At this judgment seat, only those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians again, chapter 5, verse 10. And they're not going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ to be judged as to whether or not they were saved. No, 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 no. They're going to appear at the judgment of Christ to see how well they serve. You see, God expects us, once we get saved, God expects us to serve him. So this particular judgment is a judgment not about our salvation, but it is to determine what rewards we will get as a result of our service while we were on earth. The Bible says, for well, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it's good or bad. We must all, and that we must all, again, encompasses those of us who've already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into our life as our personal Savior. But it says that we must all appear after the rapture, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done. So it is not a judgment 
to determine your salvation. It is a judgment to determine your service. God wants to take a look at how well you served while you were on earth. You see, there are a lot of people that get saved and do nothing else. They've not done anything since they've been saved. They just got saved, excited about going to heaven, but they don't understand the importance of not just being saved. They've got to come to understand that we are saved to serve. Yeah. And then they've got to understand something, that, 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 that God is taking note of our service. And, and when that judgment seat of Christ comes after the rapture, then we're going to have to stand before him. Bible says, every knee shall die, every shall go down. We're going to stand before him, and, and we're going to have to give an account. We're going to have to give an account of our stewardship. What are you doing as a Christian? You've got some Christians that decide that I'm saved now, I'm going to heaven anyhow, and they teach something called eternal security, so I don't have to do anything else. And the only reason they're like that is because they don't understand future things. And that's why eschatology ought to be taught and ought to be, uh, people ought to be informed so they can understand that since I know that when God comes back again, that there's going to be a time when I stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, since I know that, it ought to affect what I'm doing right now. You see, as pastors, we should not have to beg and, 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 and bribe these people in the pulpit to serve God. If they understand the word of God that says we must all appear before the judgment of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. If they understand that clearly, they would understand, Pastor, I'm going to serve him in spite of you because I recognize that one of these old days I'm going to have to give an account wow. of my suit wow. It makes all the difference in the world. So eschatology has value. Yeah. Understanding these things has value. Understanding these things and knowing these things will, will make a difference in how you live today. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And so, so I, I tell you, the, the reason why I do what I do is because I am convinced and convicted beyond a shadow of a doubt by the very word of God that one day, don't know when or don't know where, but one day, I've got to appear, according to the text now, before the judgment seat of Christ. Dr. Dr. McCallum, you, you're sounding good, man. You're sounding good. Listen, listen. <laughs> I, I'm getting excited by you talking about it. But but listen, that, that, that verse, it makes a lot of sense now when, when Paul says then that, that whatever you do, uh, do it as unto the Lord. Right? The Lord because it, it, you, you're not serving man. And so because I know that it's service unto God, and that that service uh, is, being, is being followed, that service is being accounted, that God is keeping a record of the service. Absolutely, brother, absolutely. And when, when, when this was revealed to me in the truth of God, when I became a Christian, and when I got into a Bible study and began to grow as a Christian and began to learn what a Christian ought to be about, and, 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 and when I gripped, uh, heard that teaching, then it affected my life. Yes, indeed. And so you're absolutely right, and, and I get all excited. As I said, the teaching should be not only informative, but inspiring, and it inspires me to, to be 
uh, all I can be for the Lord. And, and not because Buckley tells me to be. I'm all I can be for the Lord because I know that I've got to give an account. And the beautiful yeah. thing, uh, Brother Pastor Butler and Kate, the beautiful thing is, is that, is that you're going to have to give an account for yourself. Your pastor can't give an account for you. <laughs> your, your parent can't give an account for you. You're going to have to stand before the Lord, and, and you better believe God is watching us day by day. Lord of God. My God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's good news, Reverend. He's watching me right now. And I'm so thankful that God has placed in my mind that I ought to be busy. We we are so busy doing some of everything. But we have absolutely no time to serve God. Now, by no means am I teaching that you should not enjoy life. Oh, no, no, no. You ought to go uh, play golf. You ought to go fishing. Uh, you, ought, you, you ought to enjoy the very pleasures of life that God has placed here for your children. But then what you ought to do, you got to balance that stuff. We've got to balance our lives. we got to make sure we have balanced lives. I wouldn't give more to myself than I give to God. You see, so so you got to recognize that, that you got to also serve the Lord. But at the same time, God wants you to be refreshed by spending some time with yourself and with your family and doing some of those kind of things. Those things are very important. In fact, they are essential to the Christian life. Spending wow. time with family, resting yourself, recovering, they are essential to the Christian. Uh, you cannot do without them. Yes, indeed. But my friends, don't leave off this particular passage. Don't leave off the fact that while we're to do these things, we are all to always to also serve the Lord. I'm going to read it again for you. For we must all appear. Where? Where? Before the justice of Christ. What for? That everyone may receive the things done in his body. Notice this. You're going to be rewarded for what you did while you were in the body. That's <laughs> good. God wow. Wow. God oh, that's good. If you don't do it now, listen, it is now or never. Yeah. <laughs> if I was at Preacher Chapel on this Wednesday night, I'd probably say to Preacher, come on and repeat after me. It's either now or never. You better decide you're going to serve it now or never. You cannot fall for tomorrow what you need to be doing right now. For we must all appear so the justice of Christ that everyone to receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. The Bible mentions many rewards. Talk about rewards. And at the judgment seat, these rewards will be immediate. Again, this isn't about salvation. It is about obedience to God, and it's about your service to Christ. I want to ask you a question, okay? I need to ask you a personal question, if the Bible says you don't mind. I hope you don't mind me stopping and asking a question. How say what you got to say. <laughs> how well are you running your race? If God were to come home now and to and to bring his his checkup sheet with you and uh, right now and how, how will you fare? Have you put out serving God? Have you stopped ushering uh, as an usher? Have you stopped uh, uh, being in the choir and sat down and decided that you're not going to serve God no more? Have you become like Elijah? Elijah got like that one time. Got so angry, got so frustrated, got so down, got so depressed, and that'll make you stop serving God every time you look around. You get down, you get dismayed, you get disappointed, and you get depressed, and that's what you do. You stop 
serving God. It happened to Elijah. God found him in a cage, and God asked him a question, What are you doing there, Elijah? Yeah, yeah. Elijah was a prophet of God. Elijah was a man of God. God had placed something in Elijah, and there he was, somewhere, soaking in a cave. God showed up and asked him, What in the world are you doing there? And Elijah thought he had, had a good reason to be there, because Ahab, Ahab had, had run him, uh, and, and, and Jezebel had run him, and he thought he had a right to just drop out of service and go tuck himself somewhere in a cave. I want to say to us tonight, that I know we've had some difficult times, and I know we run into some difficult people. I know that being a ministry leader at Cade is no different from being a ministry leader at Preacher Chapel. But you're going to run into some very difficult situations. But I want to challenge you tonight in this Bible study that you don't uh, go and tuck yourself out in a cave because you become disappointed in people. You become uh, upset because people just don't seem to be what you thought they were going to be. But I want you to be have a personal challenge, and I want you to decide that I'm going to do what God called me to do in spite of what anybody else does. You've got to decide to do that right now, uh, because you recognize from the teaching of the Word of God that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, you can't stop serving because somebody else gets in it. <laughs> my, 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 my. Oh, what a word, what a word. Have I been in the booth that I might have shouted right there? <laughs> because other folks get silly. It's going to mm. happen in the house of God. Buckley can't stop it. I can't stop it. But we can put the word of God in you so much so that even if other folks get silly, you'll keep serving. Good God of mine. You, you Man, you're going to make a shout come over this come over this screen, Reverend. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to teach, but, I, but I'm getting happy on the inside. I'm trying to stay in this chair, but, but for Katie, I'm getting excited. Uh-uh, because, because let me tell you something, God has been good. <laughs> I tell you, he's been good, and, and you know he's been good. He, listen, listen, so far he's covered you and I, even during the corona crisis, and, and he's taking care of us up and I believe that he's going to keep us in the midst of this situation. I believe that God is still in control, and that God's going to take care of his people, and I'm challenging folks, keep on trusting in God, and keep on having faith. Listen, i got a race to run. Oh, glory to God, you've got a race to run. And the reason we're running this race is not because somebody is, 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 is making us do it or, 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 or demanding that we do it. I can't demand that you serve God. Glory to God. I'm pastor, but I, I can't demand that people sing in the choir. I'd like to see people sing in the choir. Listen, they ought to serve God not because of me, but because they recognize that we're going to sin before the judgment is coming. That, that's the next thing, though. I said the first thing was the rapture. Uh, um, and, uh, and basically, what I'm doing is I'm walking through the premillennial itself in terms of the Bible. Just kind of uh, making us stay together as to where I'm going. Uh, the premillennial thoughts and uh, mentality uh, uh, is, is that the rapture is going to happen uh, next. We're in the church age. The rapture, we believe, is going to happen next. Even after the rapture, that particular event that I just got to describing, it is called again. The judgment seat of Christ. Yes, indeed. See what happens then, Pastor? What happens? What happens? What happens? What happens after the judgment seat of Christ? Is that it? Is that the end? Is that all of it? No. There are some other events that's going to going to expire uh, during this whole eschatological uh, theme of things. Yes. 
and the next one that we believe is going to happen is something called the tribulation. <laughs> yes, you can write that down. Tribulation. You see, the rapture marks the beginning of the tribulation. Now, the tribulation is a seven-year period of infinite punishment. Of infinite punishment. With all the believers going, got to remember that. All the believers are going. God has raptured his church from the earth, and all of the believers are now gone. And with all the believers gone, listen, anarchy will rule on earth. The ungodly, unbelievers, and the wicked, listen, are, are left here on this earth during this period, and it's a seven-year period. Some, some theologians have it broken down into two, three-and-a-half-year periods. And, uh, but it's a seven-year period. It's going to take seven years before this period is over. My friends, let me share something by way of application and, and making this thing relative to you. You don't want to be here during, uh, during the Great Tribulation. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you don't want to be here during that time. You, you, you want to be like me. You want to have been raptured there. You, you, you want to be gone. The church will not go through the tribulation. Are you with me? The church will not go through the tribulation because it will have been wretched. This seven-year period of thinking time, I, I need to tell you something. It had me thinking because during the seven-year period of tribulation, there's intense suffering going on. Uh, uh, where, where, where the Antichrist or the beast, as the Bible teaches, uh, for the most part, will be in authority, in power. This one, uh, one, 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 I mean, the earth is going to be ruled by one person. Somehow or another, he will have gotten control. Uh, it, it, yeah, some people want to think it's, it's, you know, I won't say that. <laughs> Let me back off. Uh, but, but they all, everybody's trying to decide who is this beast. Who is this Antichrist? Who is he? I, I tell you, he is smooth and he's debonair. And he, he doesn't look like a beast at all. He's going to be able to win uh, the hearts and minds of the people that are left here during the tribulation period. And everybody's trying to speculate who it might be. Uh, will it be somebody from Russia? Will it be somebody from America? Uh, who, is, who will it be? But the, the world will be under one ruler for the most part. Well, after the rapture. All the believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ in heaven. And the unbelievers will be left on earth during the period called the tribulation period. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 and 22. For then shall the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. That's where we find this whole issue of tribulation. And the Bible refers to it, then shall the great tribulation, and listen to it, such as was not since the beginning of time. This would be a period that that cannot be compared to. It's going to take place, the term tribulation. In the King James Version, it's just used to say it's going to be a time of stress. It's going to be a time of terrible, terrible, horrible of suffering. It's going to last seven years. There's some other Bible uh, verses that have referred to this period in time. 
Daniel, Daniel, uh, Daniel 70, 70 weeks, that, that thing, uh, uh, the day of the Lord. This is another term to refer to the great tribulation. Then there's that Jeremiah 37, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. This is this whole Bible teaching on that whole tribulation period. Well, there are some mindsets after the tribulations which I'm not going to go into. Uh, we just don't have the time to do that. And, uh, uh, you need a, we all need a longer uh, study of this whole different area. But in that particular period, there are those who say that there's a post-tribulation. Some say there's a, there's a, a mid-tribulation. And, and, and then they say that there's a, uh, 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 it's broken down into two areas. So there is, there are those teachings there that I needed you to know about, uh, that, uh, those who have that teaching believe that the tribulation is broken into two periods. Mid-tribulation and post-tribulation. Be that as it may, just be aware of that. But then when you get into some further study, you'll be able to make some decisions yourself. Let's move on now. We move from the tribulation period after seven years. After seven years, what's going to happen next? I'm glad you asked that question. There's going to be the second coming of Christ. Glory to God. The second coming of Christ. Immediately after the tribulation, after those terrible days where the sun be darkened, where the moon shall not give light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken, listen, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall the tribe of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the cloud. So the next thing after the Great Tribulation is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his select from the four winds of the earth, and they shall be the glory to God, glory to God. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what's going to take place as I say. Yeah. I don't know you. I don't know you, but I'm excited about it. And, and you know what? There are a lot of people who think people such a this is boring, but not to me. I'm glad it shakes me. Pastor Buckley, it helps me. Yes, sir. I like and the reason I do like I do, the reason I treat people the way I treat people, you know what? If you have the right views of future things, if you have a right understanding of future things, it will affect even how you treat individuals. What, what an important teaching this is. What an important teaching this is. It helps shape our, our worldview about things. It helps us to better understand some things. And, and not only that, it will go as far as helping us to know how to even treat one another. Listen, in John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is talking about his second coming. It seems to me that the Bible is teaching that Jesus is coming back again. Yeah. <laughs> how many of you know he's coming back again? How many of you know, how many of you are ready? Listen, I think I need to just stop and just, just deal with some stuff right now. Pastor, pastor, pastor. pastor. You. <laughs> how many of you, how many of you, how many of you are ready? For, I, I think I need to read that again for you. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 3. You have to go ahead and write that down. And if I go away, you've heard it preached at many, many funerals. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, this is, this is marriage talk. Jesus is using uh, 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 a marriage uh, 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 metaphor here. 
to describe some things. Because, see, in Jewish culture, they would have understood what he was talking about. How many of you know that Jesus is the husband man and we are the bride? And so Jesus is talking marriage talk here. They understood that when a man got ready to get married, what he would do, and usually he lived in his father's house. What he would do is that he would build a house, on a room, onto his father's house for his new bride. And the father would come and inspect the, bride, the, the, the room, and if the room was all ready, then the father would okay uh, that son to go back and get his bride. Are y'all with me this morning, this evening? Listen, and the sick says, and if I go away and prepare a place for you, yes, he's talking marriage talk, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Then Acts chapter 1 verse 11 says this, This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into the heaven, watch this, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I tell you, my brothers and sisters, this evening, I am convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Oh, I don't know when. And I know that question is when. Well, got to remember, no man knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is coming back. But he did say, be ye ready. You see, that whole parable on the five wise and the five foolish virgins that all of us have heard about, the whole purpose of that particular parable is to teach us a biblical truth that we need to put into action. And that is, there were five virgins who were wise. They were ready. And there were five virgins who were unwise. They were not ready. They did not have oil in their lamp. They did not know when the bridegroom coming. They, just like us, do not know when Jesus Christ is returning. They didn't know when the bridegroom is coming. But the thing was, is that they need to have their lamp burning. They need to be ready. <laughs> I mean, that's your question tonight. <laughs> is your lamp burning? Uh, is, is your lamp burning? Has your wick gone out? Wow. You don't know when wow. you're coming back to me. I think we ought to be busy getting those wicks lit. Good God Almighty. I got happy right there. I got happy right there. I know I'm preaching the Bible, but it's Excuse me, but <laughs> listen, I got happy right there. I, I want to ask you again, are your wits burning, or, or do you just have a little flicker of light still holding on? My friend, well, you need to do something to, to trim your particular wick so that most definitely you can begin to shine bright. You did, you got to let your light show down. You ought not just be, just be, have a flicker of light. You need to let your light so shine that men might see your good work and glorify the Father. My friend, there are too many of us who have allowed our lights to go out. Well, we need to get those lights burning again. He said, then I saw, I saw, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, verse <laughs> Then I saw heaven open. Yeah. And there was a white horse. Yeah. <laughs> why, why don't you, Pastor? Why don't you? Why, why, listen, I can't, listen, I, I wish I had time. This teaching needs to be at least three, four hours. Yes, sir. Any, <laughs> any, any, any guesses to this particular lesson on eschatology? 
But since I'm only doing an overview, and, yes, sir. Uh, and I know there are a lot of things that I'm leaving out, and I'm not being as uh, detailed enough, but you just cannot learn it all in a small time of teaching. But I do know that what I want to do tonight is just whet your appetite for wanting to know more about what's going to happen in the future and what God has in store for us. And I declare, my brothers and sisters, if it excited me, it's going to excite you. He said, I saw heaven open. John, John was sitting, uh, John was out there on the island of Patmos. John had been banned uh, after the only uh, 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 disciple to die, a natural death. And he died out there on Patmos, and, and he, he was the only disciple that really did not get murdered in some crucial, uh, horrible uh, way of killing somebody. John is out there, and God allowed John to see into the future. John allowed God to have John to get an in, 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 in eschatological look on what's going to happen. Yeah, he, allowed, he, he, he opened up the school of eschatology. Right there on the island of And God was the teacher, and, and he said tonight, the subject is eschatology. Listen, he said, then I saw heaven, <laughs> and there was a, a white horse. <laughs> it, it's rather, it's called faithful and true. Listen, and true. I think I'm saying something right there. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, the first thing I want you to recognize, visibly. <laughs> He's coming back visibly. He is coming back. And, and, and I may not be a Christian tonight, but I'm going to shout out to, 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 to Kay. Go ahead and, uh, and say he's coming back. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and, and you may be at home tonight during this coronavirus, and you may be sitting right next to your husband. Go ahead and just hit him on the shoulder and say, Jesus is coming back. You may be sitting around listening and watching this on your particular computer or television. Go ahead and hit the chill screen and say, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, I said, and he's coming back visibly. Listen, wait a minute. I saw. I saw. <laughs> John said it in chapter 19, verse 11. Did you see that? He said, I saw. <laughs> he, he's coming back visibly. I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. <laughs> a, a white horse. It's rather like it's called faithful and true. Yes, indeed. He is coming back. And we're talking about the second coming. Listen, Jesus will come as a general. Revelation chapter 19, 11, all the way through 16. See, we are the armies of heaven. We are the armies of heaven. Verse, chapter, uh, verse 19 through 21 describes Jesus, chapter of the beast, and the false population. And they are cast into a place called the Lake of Fire. And, and, and all other believers, unbelievers, uh, will go along with him. But he's coming back. And I told you when Trump's out, the Trump always designates either two things. It always designates either war <laughs> or worship. When you hear Trump, you ought to be one of those two things. You're wow. Wow. <laughs> war or worship. Pastor, Pastor, you heard us. You heard us tonight, man. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. And that was a white horse, and his rider was called faithful and true, and in the righteous he judges and makes war. Didn't I tell you that a Trump either uh, is symbolic of war or is symbolic of worship? His eyes, according to the word of God, were like 
fiery flame, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one uh, knows the tip himself. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He's not only coming back visibly, but according to this text, that's it. Jesus is coming back victoriously. <laughs> there it is. Then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. <laughs> Look, watch it, watch it. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's not only coming back visibly. I'm going to, listen, listen, he's coming back. And, 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 and he, I tell you, he's too beautiful to be holy. Glory to God. Pastor, don't 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 shout us. This is supposed to be virtual Bible study. You're gonna get a real shout in a minute, man. Listen, you can't study eschatology and not get excited. You can't have an understanding of future things and not get happy. That is, if you are a child of God. Now, if you never accept Jesus into your heart as your personal savior, oh no, you can't shout about this. But you can shout if you are a child of God. You can get excited. You will get excited. He's coming back to Jesus today, according to the text. But then not only that, he's coming back to make war. He's coming back victorious. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, watch this, watch this. Again, in Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, listen to what he says. Taking vengeance taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God. <laughs> you know what the Bible says, set not thy feet because of evil doers, for soon they shall be cut down, like the green earth, they shall be cut down. A lot of us get all upset because we're supposed to do it. Listen, don't worry about what we're supposed to do. God don't, don't take vengeance, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back vividly. He's coming back victoriously. But I think something else. He's coming back vividly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wow. right there in the text. Yeah, look at the text. He says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Taking vision with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My friends, have you accepted the gospel? The gospel of you, the you are the very God. The good news. Have you accepted that? I don't say have you heard it. A lot of folks have heard it. But have you accepted it? Have you, uh, have you confessed your sin? Have you received Jesus Christ into your life as the Lord and Savior? Does Christ live inside of you? Well, you need to know that the second coming teaches that Jesus is literally coming back again. And he's coming back. He's coming back visibly. Yeah. Now, now I need to tell you now, I'm not going to be here when all this happens. <laughs> you, you, don't, don't, get, don't get my outline. I'm not going to be here. I'm gone. So when all this stuff takes place, I'm gone. Because I told you during the rapture, the church will be caught up. The, the church will be raptured. Yeah. And, and I won't be here on earth when all of this happens. Second coming happens. Right? Listen, and then, then I'm not going to go into detail of it. I'm coming to a close, and, 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 uh, and we're going to discuss if there's any discussion to be done. 
we're going to be tough and, and try to make this thing relative as we want to make it, as we can make it, because I think it's important. After, after Jesus comes back again, there is going to be something called the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. You have to go to Revelation chapter 16 to look at this in Revelation chapter 19. At the end of the tribulation, those who follow the beast will gather together in this place called the Battle of Megiddo. I've had the wonderful privilege of being there. I'm going to this particular area in Israel where supposedly this particular battle is going to take place in the valley of Megiddo. According to the Bible, that's where it's going to take place, where Satan and his and his, all of his particular crew is going to uh, uh, to go against uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's going to be this tremendous battle that's going to take place. And that's referred to as the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19 deals with that whole issue. Jesus returned to earth at the end of tribulation. And the description of him in Revelation 19 is quite different from the one in the Gospel. In the Gospels, he came uh, as a suffering servant. But, but in Revelation 19, he comes as a conquering kingdom. Glory to God. That's something to be excited about, church. Okay, that's something to be excited about. Well, what happens after this time? we got to hurry now. Uh, I'm coming to a close. Give me about one more minute, and we're out of here on this particular teaching. Listen, there is going to be a kingdom that we believe as free millennials. We believe it's going to take place, and that is the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom began at Christ's second advent, and it continues for 1,000 years. For Christ Jesus, the Messiah, rules over the entire earth. We believe that to be the millennial. We believe that to be the millennial period. As I said in our, in our teaching earlier, that there are various things of thought as it relates to the future things, the eschaton, eschatology, things to come. One of those was post-millennialism. The other was our millennialism. And the other was pre-millennialism. Well, at this particular point in time, we, I literally believe that there's going to be a literal 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ as Messiah on the earth. At the beginning of Satan, will be bound at the beginning of this 1,000 years. God is going to bound Satan according to Romans or, or Revelation chapter 20, verse 2 and 3. That God is going to bound Satan for 1,000 years. And there's going to be peace on earth for 1,000 years. Revelation 21 and 2 tells us that at this time, Satan will be bound. Listen, he says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key, watch this, to the bottomless pit, and a great seed in his hand. And he laid over that old dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20. 20 verse 1 through 3. Well, during that time, there's going to be a peace on earth. And the reason why there's going to be peace on earth is because Satan will be gone. Well, well, there's going to be a time of great peace. Listen, during that time, a time of health, a time of healing, just a beautiful time on earth. But then, that's what I need to tell you as I close now. But after that, Satan's going to be released again. Satan's going to release again. God's going to reign for that time. Things is going to be released again. And, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and then, even during this time, when Satan is released, he's going to be still uh, some folks in the midst of all of that. 
He still gonna be the wisdom teacher. It may be hard to believe that he's still gonna be the wisdom teacher. My friend, if I were you today, I'd go ahead and get my business fixed. I'd go ahead right now. That's not the end of the story, but we're going to close this thing. I want to thank Pastor Buckley for allowing me to come and be with you during this period of time. There's a whole lot more to go on to this teaching. I just wanted to let you out with Pastor Butler and, and Kate, and I pray that, that you begin to think about these whole things uh, as it relates to future things, and that you're going to be uh, more concerned about it, and you're going to study more about it, you're going to pray more about it, and that you're going to even do more studies, right? there things about it. And most definitely, I know the Lord's going to bless you real good. Glory to God, this has been exciting. I have enjoyed myself thoroughly, Kate. Thank you so very much. You are a wonderful congregation. I enjoy coming before you. I enjoy speaking and speaking and speaking to Chapel, one of the greatest I'm churches on God's earth, with one of the greatest pastors on this earth. I need to say this right now, but I love you and I appreciate each and every one of you. Keep on lifting up the name of Jesus everywhere you go. And just go ahead right now. Get your life straight. Yes, indeed. I, I have really, really thoroughly enjoyed sharing with Cade tonight, but I think I need to tell you that I, I, I mentioned that there are three schools of thought as relates to what's going to happen in the future. I said to you there is the, the post-millennial thinking, there is the pre-millennial thinking, and there's the all-millennial thinking. And, and, and uh, yes, these are various thoughts as to how things are going to end up in the end time, but I think I need to tell you the most important thing if I happen to be wrong as a premillennial and the postmillennial or the amillennial is correct, I think I need to tell you something that the most important thing is, is whether or not you receive Christ into your life right now. Because it won't matter how it ends. What really matters is what you have done right now. Because if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life right now, that however it is, you're going to be all right with the Lord. And so most definitely, as we get ready to exit this teaching, know the young person that you have already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And so however the Lord decides to do it to the church, that you got your blessing, it's with the Lord. God bless you, kind of you, and have a great and bright day. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor. I'm going to let you sit back for a minute because uh, <laughs> you've had us on the edge of our seats all night. So you you can sit back right now for just a moment as 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 we certainly have been blessed uh, by, by your preaching, by your teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dare say preaching because uh, you, 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 have, you have preached the word tonight. Uh, and I want to thank you for, for sharing with us on, on what it is a topic uh, that that we typically don't spend a lot of time uh, thinking through and yeah, and yeah. searching scripture about, uh, but certainly you have proven it to be a rich topic of discussion, one that we need to be yeah. uh, intimately uh, aware of, concerned about, and and versed in. And so we want to thank you for giving us uh, walking us through the scripture as it relates to the end of times. Um, uh, the the, the cu- couple of things that maybe we we could uh, just just review just just to be sure we're we're clear on things. Yes. Uh, you talked about the rapture, the judgment seat, the tribulation, uh, then the seven years. I, I'm sorry, tribulation, which is seven years. The second coming of Christ, battle of Armageddon, 
thousand years uh, reign of, of Jesus, Satan being loosed again. So thank you for walking us through just the, 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 the scenario, the, 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 the yeah. series, yeah. the sequence, yeah. rather, uh, of those events. When, when we think about where, where we are now, uh, and, and you mentioned this already just uh, in terms of, of, of the virus and, and what many are, are likening to a plague of sorts, what I take away from your teaching tonight is, is that while we can be and should be concerned about it, that the ultimate thing is, is, is not necessarily, you know, trying to figure out or debate necessarily where we are, but really knowing for certain our personal affect, our personal standing with Christ. Ultimately, as you just said, I think the most important thing that that this particular teaching helps us to understand is that whatever is happening, we need to make sure that we've got our life uh, right with the Lord Jesus Christ, not by feelings, but by faith, and that we've, we've genuinely received Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior. And ultimately, uh, God is going to see us through this situation. And I think that's where we need to most definitely stake our claim and make sure that we are right with God. Because indeed, this kind of stuff causes us to think about future things and where we are and what is God doing. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Pastor. Uh, th this has been a rich discussion again, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with the people of God uh, what, what the Lord uh, has not only written in his word, but what he's clearly laid upon your heart. Um, uh, you, you have a passion for it, and it clearly comes through. Uh, not just in your voice, but even through uh, these, these this virtual uh, space of these screens, uh, I know I know I felt it, and I know the people of God who have been viewing us tonight uh, felt it also. So from from all of us to you, thank you so much for for your time in the Word. Thank you so much for sharing uh, and walking us through the Word of God in the in the manner that you have tonight. It's been an, a tremendous blessing. And we pray that God's blessings would be upon you, upon yours, and upon the good people of Priestly Chapel as well.